Hello, everyone, and welcome in to another fantastic Thursday night edition of Down the Field. I am your host, Andrew Robinson, broadcasting live from you know where. Uh, I've actually gotten a few people that have started making fun of me for it, but you know where I broadcast from, the great city of Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm happy to be here uh, on this fine Thursday evening. Looking forward to another amazing weekend of NFL football, of college basketball, and uh, the college football offseason is now in full swing. And uh, we'll start there. Um, And I'm giddy. I'm giddy. I look around my room. I see a giant power tee on the wall. I see a a picture of vintage Neyland Stadium um, sold out uh, with the old letters on top. I see a picture of Eric Ainge in the white Adidas throwback uniforms. Um, and you just get that sense of relief when you look at those type of teams. Because we remember, most of us that listen to this podcast remember what it was like to be a fan when we were playing in meaningful games. And it's, it hasn't been that way in a while. And how are we going to get back? That's the question, right? How does this school get back? And we've diagnosed it many times on this podcast. And the last pod that we released last week, we talked about the addition of Jim Chaney as your offensive coordinator and what that means and how much Georgia's offense progressed under Chaney's leadership, what Tennessee's offense looked like with Jim Chaney, right? Uh, But you got to have the bells and whistles to run that. That's that's a lot of things I got uh, in feedback from text messages and uh, in different different ways of in, in Twitter and means of discussing uh, about last week's pod. They said, well, you know, Jim Chaney's all great and all, but, you know, we don't have the the, the horses in the stable. And, you know, I, I have to agree. We don't have elite quarterback play. Our offensive line's not very good. We do have a, 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 a very good stable of running backs and good receivers, but for the most part, you know, we're not ready, right? We're not ready to be there. How do you get there? You start recruiting. Well, this recruiting class for a team that won five games is pretty pretty darn good. Rank number 15 now. By the end of it, I think that that will change. I think that Tennessee will go up, uh, not down, only up from here. Uh, and a huge addition to that was the addition of Cheney, right? You're going to get a lot more players that want to come play for a proven winner and somebody that's put a lot of guys in the NFL. What running back doesn't want to come play for Jim Chaney? He just put two in the league last year. and One one draft, two running backs. So that was huge, right? Good for Pruitt. How do you build on it? You keep going out. You hit the recruiting trail. And then with a smile on my face, we can report that T. Martin is wearing the orange again. Not the Auburn orange. Not the Clemson orange like his son did. Not... The uh, you know the orange of anybody else, the Syracuse orange. He is wearing the big orange, the orange where he led an undefeated national championship SEC champion team. The last time Tennessee was relevant on the national stage was close to when he left. The last time he was wearing this color, he was hoisting a crystal ball. You know who else was hoisting it with him? Philip Fulmer. Which, by the way, how comical is it that Phil Fulmer suspended for five practices as the athletic director because he was coaching offensive linemen this fall? 
I mean, that just that, it, it, it's it makes you you crack up. I mean, you know, he ooh, he misses five practices in spring ball. Um, the funny thing about it is, if he did that and coached one day a week and then had to miss the five days of practice after that, I would imagine our linemen would get a lot better. <laughs> uh. But that's either here nor there, just a quick side note. Oh, by the way, I'm joined, as I always am, by my trusty partner, an ice-cold Bud Light for the many, not the few. And what T. Martin's going to be able to do for this offense and what Jeremy Pruitt's been able to do with keeping the staff together and getting better and more experienced. Oh, mercy. Oh, mercy. Wow, did you hear that voice crack? Oh, mercy. (laughs) This team is well on its way. And it's no secret why. Why did it take people this long that you get people that love the university back and they're going to care a hell of a lot more than somebody that's looking to be, uh, you you know, the hype man and, uh, you know, the jump around guy from, from Michigan. What does he care about the University of Tennessee football? What does he know about the University of Tennessee football? Besides, that was just the next stop in his coaching career. I'll tell you who cares a hell of a lot about it is Philip Fulmer, is T. Martin. Hell, even Jim Chaney cares. Oh, man, what an awesome way to keep this momentum rolling for this football team. Uh, already news of the uh, the four-star defensive back. What's his name? Oh, I can't remember his name. I'll, it'll come to me in the middle of this podcast, I'm sure. From Georgia that's transferring to Tennessee to play receiver. Yeah, that's that's for real. That's happening. Uh, Henry Tuotua, or Tuotua, whatever his name is. Yeah, he's also coming. For real. It's happening. This team is just, <laughs> it is it is something to watch, and it's a lot of fun um, what, what, what the future can hold. Uh, Darnell Wright looks like he might be on his way to Rocky Top. Like, there are so many good things happening on top of the coaches. This recruiting class could end up in the top 10. This recruiting class could end up in the top 10. That is insanity. Insanity with what they just came off of this past season. A lot of work to be done. There's no doubt. But man, oh man, you couldn't have asked for a better offseason. And, and and people aren't even wanting to talk about it. Do you know why? Because Rick Barnes has his basketball team continuing to roll. I said on last week's pod that this was going to be, or last week's, last Saturday's game was going to be a really tough test for this group. And I meant it. Playing down in the swamp, no matter how bad or good Florida is, is a tough place to play. The Rowdy Reptiles, right? And as uh, our interviewer or interviewee, Sam Tarver, later on in this podcast will will explain, he didn't feel like they really brought it in Gainesville, but historically they do. And what they what this Tennessee team is able to do, playing probably their worst game of the conference season, maybe their worst game all year, and on a big time stage, were able to win by double digits. They were winning by two points with 45 seconds left, and they won by double digits. That's how good this team is. They're just on another level, it seems like. And it's really fun to watch. And they're continuing to ball and to 
do everything that they have to to be at the top of the league. 4-0 in conference play. They've got Alabama coming in this weekend. I will be there. I couldn't be more happy to be there. Anytime Tennessee plays Alabama. And by the way, I mentioned this today in one of our group texts. One of a group text I'm in. What a time it would be to introduce T. Martin, right? What an unbelievable time it would be to introduce T. Martin at this basketball game against Alabama, a team that he beat in Thompson Bowling Arena with the crowd going hysterical. The roof might come down in Thompson Bowling. The roof might come down in Thompson Bowling, and I would love to see it. <laughs> Not the roof come down, but just to love to see them give T. Martin the the credit that he deserves for coming back, um, for putting everything behind him, the past animosity maybe that he has toward this university. He put it behind him because he knows it's a good move, because he knows that he can make this team better. And then on top of all that, there's going to be a really good basketball game taking place between probably what will be on Monday the number one team in the country. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and say it on a limb. I'm going to go out on a limb. Nobody wants to talk about them being number one because Michigan's still ahead of them. Michigan's undefeated. But if you've noticed the last, what is it, two or three weeks, Tennessee's been at number three, they've gotten more first-place votes than Michigan. They've gotten more first-place votes. And I think that that's going to that's gonna mean something at the end of the day. It has to. What's the point of, of doing that if or publishing it if it doesn't mean anything? It's going to be a very interesting, uh, interesting Monday if Tennessee and Michigan both win. Uh, because Duke, no matter what they do against Virginia, is gone. Uh, what would be interesting, Virginia is undefeated, right? So if Virginia beats Duke, oh, I didn't think about that. They very well could hop Tennessee and Michigan. I, I think Duke will win. I don't see Duke dropping two games in the same week, but they're a young team. It, it could happen. Very well could happen. So you, you really start to get in the nitty-gritty of this Tennessee basketball team, and um, I don't want to give away too much, but uh, Sam Tarver, had we had a great interview with him and what he sees on a day-to-day basis and talking about practice and the mindset and the mentality and, and the players on this team, and it's just so blatantly obvious that this team is in such a groove that it's going to be hard to derail them. It's just going to be hard. And now that doesn't mean that they can lose that because they obviously can't, right? I mean, I don't know if this team is not to say good enough, but I don't know if anyone's really good enough to go undefeated in your conference in college basketball. It's, it's really unheard of besides that Kentucky team. Um, but you, you get my point. Even if they lose two or three games, who's to say that they're not one of the best teams in the country? They've got an unbelievably difficult slate at the end of the year. The last six games are probably the toughest six-game stretch. Talk about getting your team mentally prepared for tournament play. Oh, mercy. I think Rick Barnes looks at that, and the fans are like, oh, man, that's going to be a tough stretch. And Rick Barnes looks at it and says, oh, yes, thank you, uh, SEC scheduling office for giving us this because it has it's going to light a fire 
underneath that team, and they're going to have to focus going into the tournament play. Just such exciting times. And it's so rare, right? I mean, how when was the last time <laughs> that we had this much excitement in anything? Football, basketball, baseball, uh, soccer. Well, the women's basketball teams dropped three in a row in conference play, so you know it's hard to imagine that they're going to be worth a damn this year. Um, you know, we're not going to talk about the Lady Vols on this podcast, but Holly Warlick's got to go. I imagine that Philip Fulmer would rather fix football before firing a women's basketball coach, and I, I totally respect that, understand it, and I think that that's what he probably should do. But uh, talk about taking a Corvette and turning it into a uh, <laughs> Nissan or not. not I, I should take that back. Beautiful cars in Nissan. Maybe maybe like a sedan of some kind. I mean, I don't know. Mercy, what she's done to that basketball program. Whew, tough to watch. Um, and everybody can say they really don't care about the Lady Vols, and a lot of people really don't. I mean, you know, I don't really care. But, uh, you know, I have good memories with the Lady Vols. My grandparents used to pick me up from where we'd go after church on Sunday afternoons, and, <laughs> you know, we'd go and uh, – and, and watch the Lady Vols. I got to be in a uh, in a halftime game once. Me and my sister, uh, we <laughs> got to. They put our tennis shoes out in the middle of the floor. There's a giant crunch bar. The, you know, I really wanted to win, even though I didn't like chocolate at the time. Um, yeah, I know that's weird, um, but no, I didn't want to win. But I really wanted to win just to beat her. Um, and to people that know me, would be no surprise if I told you that she uh, she ended up beating me in the game. Uh, I'm not going to get into the details of it, but you know I have good memories with it. So you you want to see that successful? There's banners hanging in Thompson Bowling Arena, and they're just going to be you know overlooked because of what she's done. And that's where we're going to end it with the Lady Vols. So last week or this past week, I put on Twitter a uh, an email address that I created. Um, and I asked for questions. I asked for, um, feedback and I crazy. Let me count here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight emails. I mean, honestly, I, I didn't think there was going to be any. So thank you to everybody that sent out an email and the questions, and I'm going to get to as many as I can. Um, first one is from Steven. Uh, Steven asked a great question. I'm going to read the whole thing out loud because this is a really good question. Probably the best. Actually, you know what? I'm going to save this question from Steven because I think it's the best question. Um, Grant also had some really good questions uh, about the MLB and the MLB offseason. And Grant, uh, I have read them and I'm going to hold on to them um, because... I think you're going to like next week's guest, and I'll be sure to ask him these questions. Um, I'm not going to give away who the guest is, but very knowledgeable in the world of baseball, especially Braves baseball. So um, this is an interesting question. Do you think that John Fulkerson should be ahead of Derek Walker in the rotation? Uh, This is from – oh, don't give me a name. But anyway, I appreciate the email. Um, and, and the question, and I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that there, or, uh, John Fulgerson plays his role 
to the fullest. I think Walker plays his role to the fullest. And it's not even that I don't think so. Let me let me recant on that question and that answer. It's not that I don't think so. I think that the way that they run their rotation now, when, when almost with the double substitution in the first half, give them a nice rest, and then whoever's playing better that night is going to get the more playing time down the stretch. I think that that's exactly how Rick Barnes should handle his two bench big men. Right. I mean, Walker's bigger. Um, Fulkerson is scrappier. I think Fulkerson surprisingly plays better defense. Um, but that having said that, I think they both play an integral role in, in what this team does and what they're trying to achieve uh, this season. And you got to have both of them. So I kind of like the way they do it now, playing them both early and then seeing who's playing better and getting the more playing time. I don't think that either one should start over the other necessarily. Uh, I think that they're both uh, integral parts of this basketball team. And then the second question is, do you think UT will end up with a top 10 recruiting class? And I think so. I, I, I kind of alluded to it earlier. Yes. Yes, I do. I do think so. I think with Henry Tuotua, I think with Darnell Wright and maybe one or two others, this this recruiting class has all the potential in the world. Which, by the way, if Tennessee snuck in to the top ten, that would be six of ten recruiting classes from the Southeastern Conference in the top ten. So, you know, all you SEC haters out there, you know, enough. Enough is enough. It's, it's you know, the chickens have come home to roost on this. You know, it, it, it's done. That argument is over. It's finished. The SEC is still dominant. All they need to do now is go get Clemson and then say, NCAA, screw you. We're, we're, we're leaving. We've got our own league. <laughs> Would love to see the look on the NCAA's face if the SEC went out and got like Oklahoma and Clemson and Miami. So we formed our own power league. See ya. We're going to make our own rules. Going to make it like an NFL junior. Athletes can get paid. All that stuff. Awesome. I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, great question. Thank you for those two questions. Uh, and the, Okay, so let's go to this other question. Oh, actually, here's a good one. Uh, this one is from Cody. Cody says, uh, first of all, I would like to say that Cody Parkey sucks. Uh, must be a Bears fan. Uh, now that we have gotten... That out of the way, my question is simple. Who is winning the Super Bowl this year? Um, oh, oh, I see. No, no, no. His email is CodyParkySucks at gmail.com. Uh, but the name is Michael. Uh, Michael, I really appreciate the email uh, and the question. And I think it's going to be the Saints. And I think that it's going to be the Saints and the Patriots that play each other. And I got to say, as a Atlanta Falcons hater, I can't wait to see this city overrun with the two teams that the Falcons probably hate the most in the Saints and the Patriots. I can't wait to see all the 28-3 banners. I can't wait to see all the who dat signs. All the while, Mercedes-Benz Stadium is going to be full of the two teams that they hate the most playing for the thing that they want the most. I mean... Talk about a storyline. Oh, I'll, I'll have to send uh, pictures on the uh, on the down the field uh, Twitter account of what this city looks like when it is overrun with people from New England 
and uh, and New Orleans. Oh gosh, talk about two opposite, you know, fan groups. You got the douchebags up north, uh, your Patriots fans, you know, all from all from out, outside of Boston. Whitey Bulger, go Sox, go Pats, right? And then you've got your uh, your Cajun. The Cajun Navy is just going to send it on up here. I mean, oh, man, do we have – that would be an awesome game. Also, I think that those are the, uh, the two teams that I would enjoy seeing the most. And I know what everybody's saying. Why do you keep hating on the Chiefs? And it's not that I'm hating on the Chiefs. I just don't know if I'm in love with the Chiefs like everybody else. Mahomes against Brady, going to be awesome. Awesome. I think the New England's going to be able to do what they do. They they dink and dump all down the field, and they get points. They don't enter the red zone and, and knock them out with six. And they're unbelievable at holding people to three. I think it's I think it's an interesting uh, interesting question. I do appreciate it. Thank you. And now let's get to the last one uh, from Steve. Or oh, sorry, Steve N. Um, Steven, here's the question. I'm going to read it out loud and everyone, so everyone can hear it, get their thoughts about it. But here it is. It says, as you know, UT men's basketball has only made the elite eight once in its program's history. That's correct. You know, not a, not a super good, uh, history for, for Tennessee basketball, but still, I mean, they made an elite eight. So it says clearly it appears that this year's team is talented enough to make it that far and even potentially much farther. The fan base is certainly excited, and there has or there have begun to be a large amount of hype that is building for this team. So my question is this: What are some fair expectations to have for this team as a fan base? I feel like this team is good enough to win, dare I say it, a national championship, but I also feel like it would be unfair as a fan base to expect that from a program that has historically never even come close. Should we be happy if we make the elite eight and are beaten? What is this? What is it this team has to do to be considered a successful team in UT's history ten years from now? Great question, Stephen. Honestly, I mean, this this is the best question of anyone that I got in the uh, in the mail bin, and part of the reason why I say that is because it's accurate. This has historically not been a dominant basketball program. And in 10 years from now, when you look back on this team, what are you going to look at? So unless this team gets bounced in the first two rounds, uh, or in the Sweet 16, I think the Elite Eight is a fair benchmark. If they make the Elite Eight, they've had an unbelievable season. But more importantly than the Elite Eight, I think if this team can win back-to-back SEC championships, go back-to-back conference champions, regular season champions, which we all know means more than the tournament, then they've proved enough. Ten years from now, we're going to look back and you're going to be like, wow, that team was legit. I remember going and watching them, and they were smoking teams and beating teams in conference play by 20, 40. They protected their home floor. That's that, you know, and, and and to knock the Capitol off, got another conference championship. That's what this team, I think, is going to be remembered for more than anything. 
is their SEC play and how dominant they were and where they started. You know, th- that's the thing about this team compared to like a Kentucky or a, um, I don't know, a Kansas Duke, right? Every year they're competitive. This team started four years ago in the dumps, coming off a 16 and 16 season from Donnie Tyndall. And now they're number three in the country, and they're, like you said, getting all the hype in the world. And that's okay. It's okay for Tennessee fans to be excited and supportive and saying that they can go all the way. I don't I don't think that that's a problem. The problem is if you're going to be disappointed if they don't win at all. Because everybody and their mother knows in college basketball how hard it is to win the NCAA tournament or college national championship. It's not like in football where you're, you know, if you're a top four team, you play in two ga- or two games, and that's for the championship. No, you got to go through three weekends, two games each weekend, right? You got to play dominant basketball from start to finish once that tournament starts. And I think that this team is capable of doing that because of their senior leadership, their depth, and their ability to play together. So to answer your question. If you're a Tennessee fan and you're disappointed if they make the Elite Eight and win the SEC, there's something wrong with you, honestly. I don't I don't know I don't know what else you can ask for this team. But if this team gets bounced in the in the first round or second round in a game that they shouldn't and they don't win the SEC, I think it's a disappointing year because I think that this year has all the makings of doing it all. Now, having said that, I personally think that they can go all the way. They're 10 men deep. They play unbelievable defense, and that travels. They play great offense. They, they're they they're all well-rested. This team, and, and, and they're well-coached. Why can't this team do it? There is no reason. Nobody can give you a good reason. It Usually the reason people are going to give is the NCAA tournament is a different animal, and I agree. It's a totally different animal. But I think the expectations for this team should be Elite Eight and an SEC championship. I think that those are fine expectations. And if the Elite Eight's too high, I, I, SEC championship and Sweet 16, it would be disappointing if they got beat. See, that's, that's, that's where the, the question lies, right? Is it going to be what is going to be the least – when is it not a disappointment? And I think that's the Elite Eight. I think Tennessee fans will be over the moon to be in Minneapolis. If they were to get beat in the Final Four, how can that be a disappointment? It wouldn't. It couldn't. And it shouldn't. And it won't. And that is what's exciting about this team. So while we're on the topic of Tennessee basketball, let's go ahead and um, talk to our guest, uh, Sam Tarver, as he gave us a lot of great insights and uh, and, and some cool, you know, uh, behind-the-scenes things about this Tennessee basketball team that, as a casual fan, you might not get. Um, and he gets to see it up close and personal each day and, uh, really enjoy talking to him. So without further ado, let's go to the interview with, uh, with Sam Tarver. Hello everyone. Welcome back to down the field. I now have the pleasure and true honor of being joined by, uh, somebody who wears the orange, gray, white, black, whatever colors, not matching the uniforms of the men who play. Uh, on the hardwood, it is Samuel Tarver and Samuel Sam. What what's best for you? 
Uh, I've always been a Sam guy, man. I'm, I got I got so many different nicknames, so I, it's hard to keep track. <laughs> well, we'll go with Sam because that's what I know you by. So, Sam Tarver and Sam, thanks so much for taking the time to come on down the field and and, and talk about this basketball team. Happy to be on. You know, and this is uh, this is new territory for lifelong Vol fans, and for new Vol fans, this is new having a team this successful. You're up close and personal every day with them. Is this shocking to you? Did you kind of expect this type of season? What What are you thinking as we sit here in, uh, in the middle of January? From From the day I started doing this job, I I mean, it it kind of took me a couple weeks, but. Once I once I saw our chemistry and just how our guys really enjoy playing with each other, I knew we were going to be successful. So last year, I remember we were playing a round of golf. Um, this is last basketball season, and you told me that we were going to uh, – I can't remember how many games you said we were going to win. Maybe I, was said, it? I said 23 and 7. And I thought and, – and, and, and to your credit, I thought you were crazy. And then that team went on to win a share of the SEC title. This team is well on its way. Uh, with a lot of games to play, but looking like they can repeat as SEC champions, what is it about this team? Is it the leadership? Is it the chemistry in the locker room? What do you What do you see? We got. I mean, we've got ten guys who can play basketball. It, it's not one of these teams that doesn't have depth. We've got depth all around the floor. I mean, you got Jordan Bound coming off the bench right now, and he's putting up, I think, nineteen points a game. I mean, we're just really clicking on all levels. Whether it's bench players, starters, whether it's just the role players. We're all just uh, hitting it full stride right now. So they're playing good. Um, you know, a lot of teams think that they've peaked too early. Do you think that this team is is playing its best, or can they get better from here? You know, I really haven't seen us play a good game yet this year, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, I, I see us in practice every day, and I haven't seen us play to our full potential yet. So I think, the, I mean, really the, the skies, uh, I mean, just shoot for the stars. I mean, this team has uh, – Unlimited potential. So you, you kind of lead into something that I was uh, that I've been curious about. Uh, Rick Barnes, uh, one of the best men in in sports, uh, off the basketball floor, and he's got this team playing at a whole other level. They're they've totally bought in clearly, and everybody keeps talking about his practices. And that they he practices like they're the three hundred best team in the country, not the third best. Is that what you see? Yeah, I mean today we, we had a really difficult practice. We we won by 19 points, and that just wasn't that just wasn't enough. We we got to <laughs> keep getting better. I mean, winning by 30 points midway through the game, and you end up winning by 19. That means somewhere in the second half you just really started to struggle. And he just wants us to persevere and play uh, as the game goes on, play even better. And you know, this is something that I've always thought, or not not always, but this year has thought really uh, a lot about, and that is. In these practices, like you said, the depth is so so large. You've got ten guys that can run it full, uh, and you can mix and match with teams and find the best units. What an advantage that is for Rick Barnes! How what what is the practice environment like? Because it's pretty much like playing a, against a conference opponent. I mean, we really have fifteen guys that run in practice. We split them up in uh, we split them up in orange, gray, and black. And I mean, you've got you got ten guys going at a time with one team subbing in. So I mean. You really, I mean, have if some if a team gets tired, you just got another one to sub in. What does everybody in that locker room think about the continued fan support? You know, you kind of see it on Twitter a little bit, but these games are getting sold out left and right. Uh, another one on Saturday against Alabama in the Tommy Bowl. 
What has that been like for these players that until this point, um, except for probably late, late, late last year, they haven't really experienced the the support of the, the Big Orange Nation like they are right now. That's got to be refreshing for them. Yeah, we're, we're really just enjoying it. Last year, we we had some good crowds, but, I mean, not nothing to like what we've got now. They're really just feeding up the energy. The louder the game gets, the better they're going to play. Right, and, you know, uh, sometimes Tennessee basketball fans have been known to to sit on their hands a little bit <laughs> and just enjoy the game compared to getting rowdy. But yeah, I got to tell you, I haven't been to a game uh, at home besides the Wake Forest game, which wasn't a conference game. I'm coming up this weekend uh, when we play Alabama. I'm I'm amped about seeing this this team in action against a conference opponent, doing things that no SEC team has done against conference teams uh, since that Kentucky team with with John Wall. Yeah, you said talk, talking about the fans sitting on their hands. We really haven't seen that at all this year. I mean, we went down to Florida this past week, and other than their student section, their fans really weren't that rowdy at all. I was, I was very shocked. I mean, if Tennessee three years ago had a number three team in the nation coming in to play them, our fans would be raucous. They'd be they'd be sold out. Everyone would be standing on their feet. Other than their student section, I mean – their fans are just sitting. So I think our fans have been really supportive this year. I think they've kind of gotten out of their comfort zone and have just learned to uh, just get loud. And and this basketball team can can make you want to get up and, and yell. They they run. They can play hard defense. They uh, they can boop it and jam it with guys like Pons and Grant and Admiral and Bowden. I mean, and then they can hit the deep ball too. This is, this is one of the more well-rounded basketball teams in the country. What is the feeling in the locker? Do they feel a little disrespected being put at three after beating a good Gonzaga team on a neutral floor and absolutely uh, dismantling their conference opponents so far? You know, I, I don't really feel comfortable talking about that. I, I, I mean, our guys, I don't, they really don't look at the ranking. If you went and asked our guys, I don't even think they know that we're 15 and one. I didn't know we were 15 and one, to be honest, until I was uh, watching a recap of the game the other night and it ran across the bottom of the screen. I, I thought we were 12 and one. So we really don't <laughs> even look at our record. We, I mean, that's just not something that comes up. That's that's awesome to hear because those teams are usually the ones that are the most grounded and able to withstand the adversity. And I'm sure some will come in, in the course of a college sports season. It seems like it always does. Uh, but this team's got veteran leadership uh, all across the board. Uh, what does Admiral Schofield mean to this team, and and what he you know where he started and where he is now? He's just he's got so much experience. He's played in the the league. I mean, now he's got four years in and he's played against so many different teams. He's played against the Colin Sextons. He's played against everybody. He really just knows, I mean, anything you throw at him, he's going to know a way to help out this team to get the win. That's basically it. He, he's just a great leader on the floor. So everybody last week, pretty much the, the Twitter sensation of Vol Twitter, which I've talked about on this podcast before as being a total force. Um, was talking about the article in The Athletic about the Tennessee weight and and, uh, lifting program. And you saw the before and afters for Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams in that shot. And my question is, you know, as a a manager, do you get in on the action? Can we expect a uh, before and after of you after after your time's done? (laughs) Um, I do take my fitness pretty seriously, but not to the level that these guys do. They, I mean, they... 
eat, drink, sleep, live basketball. So their fitness is number one in that aspect too. I used to go get uh, I used to go get sushi with Grant all the time. I mean, we were big sushi guys going to half price sushi at, at Nama, but he won't even go to that with me anymore because there's too much carbs and rice. So he's really just all of them have really focused in on what makes their bodies feel good and perform well and really are just honing that in. So Tennessee has now started out conference play 3-0, and they're looking for their fourth win. 4-0. 4-0 sorry, they're 4-0 looking for their fifth win. Um, they're playing at home. It seems like the uh, the wind is, is at the sails here for this basketball team. And with with a, with a big conference game coming up, is it is it easy for this team being that highly rated and talked about all the time? And I know you said they don't really look into that, but to to overlook opponents uh, on the conference slate. I, that's that's a tip, that's a tough question. I think we've we have overlooked opponents. Not really. We didn't intend to, but. I mean, we get up 30 on Arkansas, and we say, you know, we got this game in the bag, and we go out and give up 53 points in the second half. So, really coming off that, I don't I don't think that that's anything that's going to happen. Yeah, and you know, Alabama, Tennessee, no matter what sport, uh, you put the, uh, the Crimson Tide and the Big Orange against each other, you are bound, excuse me, bound for a good game. But to Alabama's credit, they... Not, not to interrupt. Yeah, go ahead. Look at last year. We're, I mean, we're hitting full stride in SEC play, and we go to Alabama and we get absolutely dismantled. I mean, that was one of the most brutal beatdowns I've ever seen. So, in SEC play, I mean, really anything can happen. Right, right. And this, and I was about to say, to Alabama's credit, uh, they might not have the Colin Sexton or, or you know the guard play like they did last year, but they are coached by a good coach in Avery Johnson. Uh, Rick Barnes has, has uh, talked about his respect for him but this Alabama team is uh is a little bit different so this is more just as a as a fan's perspective um you've been obviously a Tennessee basketball fan your entire life uh in the SEC tournament it has started to rotate now it's in Nashville it's in Nashville correct right yes okay so it's in Nashville what are your thoughts of of the rotating tournament I think it should be fixed. That's just, I, I think it should always be fixed. The SC, I think the SEC championship in football is, is it not always in Atlanta? Yeah, no, it, it is. Yeah. Always in Atlanta. I don't, I don't see why you would have a rotating tournament. I think it should be the same place every year. If you want to switch it every eight years or something like that, and then move it to a different city for eight years, that's fine. But I, I don't like this every year you're in a different city. I, I think it should be fixed for a while. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, as far as the – I remember going to the SEC tournament one year and somebody told me, you know, the, the SEC tournament tickets only go as far as Kentucky will go. Well, now with the Tennessee Vols ranked this high and playing this well, I imagine that Nashville is going to be uh, a lot of orange this year. Yeah, and, well, I mean, I think Auburn should start getting it rolling again too. I think there'll be a – I mean, I think it, there'll be some a lot of sold-out games in that tournament. So I was looking at the basketball schedule. This is uh, one of my last questions, and I was looking at the schedule, and um, you know, not to say that anybody is is you know a bad team in this league. There's a lot of good coach teams. Uh, SEC basketball is definitely on the rise, 
But the last couple of games down the stretch, you've got Kentucky twice, LSU, Mississippi State, Auburn. This team is going to get tested at the end. Um, and I imagine that's probably more exciting than than playing back in, in January in conference play. You're, you're in the zone. Uh, how confident are you feeling just as, a, uh, as you get to see him every day in that last stretch? I'm just – I just believe in our guys. Yes, it's a very tough schedule, but we've seen that before. I mean, we we played we played Kansas. Granted, we lost. Went and then played Gonzaga. Won that game last year. We took on Purdue. Beat them. We took on Auburn. Beat them last year. I I Kentucky twice. I'm just confident that our guys they just adapt to whatever hits them. They're they're ready to go. Whatever the test is. So if you're playing an LSU, ready to go. If you're playing Auburn. I don't know what they're ranked right now. Ready to go. You're playing Kentucky twice within a, about three weeks. Ready to go. And then uh, hopefully once the SEC tournament comes, ready to go for that too. Well, that's just awesome. And and Sam, I got one more question for you. So for those of you who or, or for those listeners that don't know who Sam is, uh, you're going to be able to spot him next after this next question. What's it like? You know, you're you're in the huddle uh, during a timeout and. You just see right over all the players into the uh, into the huddle. What's that like? <laughs> I get I get asked about that a lot. I I don't really take much note of it. It's just I've always been the tall guy, so I'm used to I'm used to seeing over things. Really, when I'm <laughs> down on the, the sidelines, though, me I work with a, a few guys. We're really just trying to be the hype man. We're trying to get the bench rowdy, trying to get the energy going. And uh, whenever we hit a big shot, we're we're just gonna be the first ones uh, getting up. Well, hopefully you get a lot of opportunities down the stretch. Sam, thanks so much for coming on down the field, and uh, thank you for all that, that you guys do and, and keeping the uh, keeping these guys ready to go. And you've got a good team that you're uh, that you're a part of. Hopefully we, uh, we'll see each other in Minneapolis. Yes, sir. I appreciate it, and uh, good talking to you with you, Andrew. Absolutely. That was Sam Tarver, and he, we very much appreciate his time on down the field today. Honestly, a great episode I feel like uh really enjoyed the mail bin. Um I'm going to be continuing to post that email address. Continue to send in questions. I I love reading them. Um it put a smile on my face to see that this many people continue to care about this podcast and uh and by all means I will continue to answer them. Grant, I will get to your questions next or next week. Um I think you're going to like the guest. So, um yeah, really appreciate all of all of those questions and support, continued support for this podcast. And, um, you know, just another thing that I think is going to set us apart. So looking forward to continuing to do that. Um, again, thanks to Sam. Thank you to all of you for continuing to listen uh, to Down the Field, the official DTF podcast. I am Andrew Robinson. I will see you next week uh, on uh, Martin Luther King Jr. holiday week. And another weekend, and we'll be previewing and talking about the the NFC and AFC championship games, which I just realized we didn't get to. So real quick, <laughs> I'm going to get to them right now. I'm going to give you my two winners. Although I guess I already kind of did, right? I you know I I said Saints and Pats. Um, I don't think that the Saints can be beaten in the Superdome. I don't think it's possible. Um, they are just too good. <laughs> Drew Brees is playing at MVP level, and I think that that is going to be the um, the final say is going to be Drew Brees 
leading the Saints. The Saints will come marching in to Atlanta in uh, three weeks. And I think that, that, that that's where they belong. They've been the best team all year. Um, they've definitely been the best offense all year, and it's just been exciting to watch Drew Brees play at this level. Uh, and, of course, Alvin Kamara play at this level this entire season. And out of the AFC, this is just one of those games where the Patriots are continuing to be slept on, and they they took care of the Chargers last week, and everyone thought the Chargers were going to beat them. Everyone. There, were, there was more money coming on the Chargers. I even picked the Chargers. What an idiot I look like. I'm not going to do that again. I'm done doubting the GOAT. Just like in the NBA. A couple years ago, I said, I'm done doubting LeBron James. I'm done. I'm done doubting Tom Brady. I know it's on the road. It's going to be chilly, right? I mean, I hate the cold. It's going to be cold in Kansas City. Can they play in the cold? Yeah, they play in New England. It's not like it's, you know, beaches and roses up there in uh, in, in Foxborough. Jim Nance and Tony Romo are on the call. Oh, it's going to be an awesome game. And it's a game that I think everybody's looking forward to. Um, I can't say with 100% certainty. I'm much more confident in the Saints beating the Rams than I am the uh, the Pats beating the Chiefs. And to the Chiefs' credit, they took care of Indianapolis. Made me look like an idiot last week for picking Indianapolis. But I, I just am done picking against Tom Brady. I think that another year, death, taxes, and Tom Brady being in the Super Bowl. And I don't see any reason for that to change this year. So my two picks are the Patriots and the Saints here in Atlanta for the Super Bowl in February. So that is actually the end of today's show. Thank you for listening. And as always, go Vols.